0: and at point WTBN Pinellas Park portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time up next is verse by verse sponsored by verse by verse ministries you need to
1: believe it and because I need as as one of your pastors to warn you about the dangers of not believing in eternal security It is very dangerous not to believe in this doctrine. It affects almost everything else in the Christian life.
0: Doctrine is simply what we believe. And our behavior, prayers, thoughts, and conversations are not just influenced, but they are directed by what we believe. So doctrine is not just a lot of esoteric discussion for theologians and university professors. Each of us already has a doctrine of our own. It governs our every decision, and I think it would be wise to make it a good doctrine so that we can make good decisions. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and he's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. I'll tell you more about Lakeside and about Verse by Verse at the end of today's Bible lesson. Eternal security, sometimes called perseverance of the saints, is part of a larger doctrine called the doctrine of grace. In our last class, Pastor Steve pointed out that Jesus made it perfectly clear that no one can ever snatch a born-again person out of his hand. can't happen. No one has more power than Jesus. In fact, no one even compares to him. But as Pastor Steve said, plenty of people believe it is possible for a Christian on his own to jump out of Jesus' hand. We heard in the last class that that would require one or the other of two conditions. One is that Jesus would allow such a thing. But Jesus is the good shepherd, and no shepherd allows his sheep to wander away because it would be disgraceful. Today, Pastor Steve will review the other theoretical condition that could somehow allow someone to change from saved to unsaved, and then we'll move on to some of the dangers generated when we think we can lose our salvation.
1: There's another condition, too. Some say, ah, but the the sheep have the power to jump out. So, the sheep really have the power to jump out? Do they really have the power to jump out? Let's look at verse 29 of John chapter 10. My father who's given them to me is greater than all. Now that all includes the sheep as well. Not just the people, other outside forces trying to snatch them out. He's greater than all, that includes the sheep. And he says, and no one's able to snatch them out of the father's hand. First of all, the father is more powerful than you. God does not give you the power to jump out. The Father is more powerful. Secondly, if you did have the power to jump out, and you did jump out, that would completely contradict the Lord Jesus' words, that you shall never perish. And there can be no contradiction to his words. His words are truth. You do not have the power to frustrate the decrees of God. And also, back in John 6, Jesus said, those who the Father gives to me, I'll keep them, I'll not lose them, I'll raise them up the last day. You cannot... Jump out! You don't have the power, nor do you have the liberty to jump out. And it isn't that people are trying to jump out. Anyone who wants to walk away from Christ never was one of his sheep to begin with. You don't want to walk away. You may have problems with the Lord. You may be disappointed by the Lord, which is always your problem, not really his. You may have struggles with the way the Lord is dealing with you, but under no circumstances would a true sheep ever really want to walk away from salvation. Never, You don't have the power, nor do you have the liberty, nor would you have the desire. Let me put it that way. Nor would you have the desire. Now, when Jesus said, in the context of this, when Jesus said his sheep will never perish, it explained the previous statement he had made two months earlier. Remember we said about, in John chapter 10, it's divided into two parts. One takes place in October, the Feast of Tabernacles. Then the other takes place in December, the Feast of Dedication or Hanukkah. He was making a statement that did explain something he said two months earlier. And what did he say two months earlier? Verse 11 of chapter 10. He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, here's the key. It's because Jesus died for us that we can be sure of our salvation. To say that a sheep can perish is to say that the death of the good shepherd is ineffective. It's powerless. It's powerless. It's powerless to produce its intended results. And one of the intended results, the permanent salvation of the sheep. That's the intended results. Not just to make you feel good, not just to give you peace. I had someone say in my presence just, uh, just the other day, someone said, well, all religion does is give you peace. That's not what Jesus primarily came to do. He came to give you abundant, everlasting life, and that life continues forever. He didn't give you just salvation for a few years on earth. Salvation is forever. And that's why he died, to, to assure that and to redeem us. Now, last week as we began our study of eternal security or safety for the sheep, we said that our approach to it would be four angles. So if you're taking notes, these are the four major points, at least at this point. We looked at the debate over eternal security. What's the real debate? And we'll review it quickly in a moment. Then we looked over, then we were about to look and we will deal with it today. The dangers of not believing in eternal security. And then the defense of eternal security. Can we defend it? Yes, we defend it from the word of God. And then, number four, the difficulties and the difficult passages associated with eternal security, like Hebrews 6, John chapter 15, things of of that nature. All right, let's review quickly the debate over eternal security. What is the debate? Well, we said there were two surface issues, and then there was one root problem and real debate. The two surface issues are interpretation of certain specific verses that people say, yes, these verses teach that you can lose your salvation. That's only a surface matter. Uh, really, we went over a number of verses that show that that, uh, that is not teaching that uh, those, uh, that doctrine. People misunderstand that you must take it in its context. You must take it in its intended uh, interpretation. Number two, they said uh, we, we said that people uh, often debate over this because they say, if I believe I can lose my salvation, then I'll just live any way I want. Then what's the motivation then to, to live a godly life? Well, it's certainly not fear. That is a surface issue. In fact, we said the only real motivation for godliness is security, not insecurity. Insecurity leads to instability. Security of the believer leads to godliness. And we, we obey because we love the Lord, not because we fear going to hell if we don't obey. But we said the real debate is over whether salvation is by God's grace or man's efforts. That, that's what it really boils down to. That's what it really boils down to. I'm saved by the grace of God, and I'm kept by the grace of God. And if it were any other way, then it is not the grace of God. It is not the Lord cooperating with me. The Lord Jesus didn't come to help us get to heaven. He came to get us there. Because we can't make it on our own in any way. In fact, Romans eleven six says this. But if it's by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If you mix grace and works, you have works. It's as simple as that. If you don't believe that, then, then uh, there's a real problem because that's the debate over the grace of God. Harry Ironside, for years, was in the Salvation Army uh, before he joined the Plymouth Brethren. And Harry Ironside had an instructor in Bible doctrine in the Salvation Army who said this. They, they don't believe salvation is secure. the Salvation Army. So, and, and the instructor said this. He said, Harry said, Getting to heaven is like riding a bicycle. If you stop pumping, then you fall off. Now that's a quote. That's what many believe. You've got to keep pumping and keep pumping and keep pumping. And I've said a long, uh, that over and over I've said this, that if salvation were dependent on me, I've lost it a long time ago. And you have too, about the second day after you were saved. All of us have lost. In fact, people say, well, you can sin away salvation But they never say, how far do you have to sin? If salvation could be sinned away, then why doesn't the Bible say, if you've done this, you've sinned it away? In fact, as we've studied as a church, we've studied 1 Corinthians, there's no church that could get lower than the Corinthians. And yet, Paul called them saints, said they would be, in chapter 15, they they would all be changed in the twinkling of an eye, spoke to them about the resurrection, spoke to them about the Lord's Supper, things that you only speak to believers about. If you if you could sin and lose your salvation, then how far do you have to go? Who's to determine how far you have to go? Certainly not God. God's never said that. No, we don't have to keep pumping. You don't have to keep pumping. You see, to believe that salvation can be lost is very similar to liberal theology. Most people don't realize this. It's very similar to modernism because... Like liberal theology, it denies the power of the death of Christ. It really denies the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It limits the work of Christ on the cross. It says that his death isn't enough for my salvation. That's what it's denying. It's denying the very foundation of our of our faith. I must add to his death. His death is not sufficient, and that's exactly what liberal theology says. It says that that Jesus Christ didn't pay for all my sins. They aren't all forgiven. The moment I believe. You see, so there's a real problem with it. That's the debate. That is the debate. Salvation is is either by grace alone or it's not by grace at all. You can't mix grace with works. So that's the real debate. And when anyone believes that salvation can be lost, he has destroyed the very foundation of Christianity. I don't think they mean to. I think those who believe this are very sincere. I think they they mean well. I think they, they... Uh, genuinely want to honor the Lord but I think they're wrong and it leads to some serious and very subtle dangers in the Christian life And aside from the obvious danger of distorting the doctrine of the grace of God, there are other specific, subtle dangers you need to know. And I'd like you to take notes on this. Because sometimes, and let's move into that area, the dangers of not believing in eternal security. Because some people think it's absolutely wrong to discuss this issue. You realize that? Some would say this. They'd say, let sleeping dogs lie. Why are you going to deal with this? Theologians have dealt with it for years and years. And and it'll only cause division in the body of Christ. Uh, by now, if, you, if you've been here for some time, you know that we don't uh, try to skirt the issue here at Lakeside. We try to deal with it, and we try to confront it from the Word of God. And you need to know this, whether it causes some anger in people or not. You need to study it because the Word of God teaches it. And because you need to believe it, and because I need, as, as one of your pastors, to warn you about the dangers of not believing in eternal security. It is very dangerous not to believe in this doctrine. It affects almost everything else in the christian life see it isn't just an academic debate it isn't just for theologians in some ivory tower to discuss this it has very practical ramifications let's look at some of those ramifications number one number one danger and these are not in any specific order i want you to know it's not one is more important than the other these are just things that came to me as i was studying this number one it leads to a distortion of the rest of the bible You cannot believe in eternal security and have it be isolated from the rest of the study of Scripture. You cannot understand, especially the New Testament letters. You cannot understand the New Testament, but especially the New Testament doctrinal letters without believing in eternal security. Let me give you an illustration. We've been studying Sunday evenings. For those of you who are not here on Sunday evenings with you, uh, shame on you. You should be because we've been having some wonderful studies in the book of Ephesians. Now, we've come to that part in Ephesians where we are, are, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, that says, based on, on your calling in Christ, based on your position in Christ, you're to walk worthy of that position. Now, if you don't understand your position in Christ, then you can't walk worthy. And if you don't understand your position in Christ, then you don't understand Ephesians. It's as simple as that. If you don't know what the worthy walk is, if you don't think that you have that worthy walk, that maybe you've lost it, then you're going to miss the whole point of Ephesians. Ephesians is built upon the fact that we can't lose our salvation, that we're secure. And if you miss that point, then you miss the whole point of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Because you cannot understand such wonderful New Testament truths like redemption, forgiveness, the new birth, the new creation in Christ, that we are indwelt by the Spirit of God, we are sealed by the Spirit of God, Christ is our advocate, he's our intercessor, and and on and on it goes, and all the plans that God has for the believer. You can't possibly enjoy that, and you can't possibly look at it the way someone else would who believes in eternal security... If you hold that salvation can be lost so it leads to a distortion of other New Testament letters and doctrines see how can these promises how can you say these promises are yours and and live based on these promises if maybe these aren't your promises maybe you've lost them so it affects every other doctrine in the Bible that's the first danger you need to know that number two it leads to spiritual depression it leads to spiritual depression If you've ever had doubts of salvation, you know what I mean. If you've ever had doubts of salvation, you know how depressed you can become. That's Satan's tool discouragement, depression, despair. The very uncertainty of our spiritual condition causes depression. If I thought that I could lose my salvation, then I just couldn't possibly be joyful, could you? And yet the Bible says rejoice. How could you rejoice? And maybe you'll lose it tonight. How could you possibly rejoice? First John Chapter one, verse four. John writes this. And these things he says we write, he's speaking about fellowship, so that our joy might be made complete we're writing this we want to be joyful we want to be joyful we want you to be joyful and so forth all of these things we want you to have fellowship with the father our joy is complete and then he concludes his his book his letter first john chapter 5 verse 13 these things i have written to you not just that you might have your joy complete how do you have your joy complete by verse 13 that you may believe in the name of the son of god in order that you may know that you have eternal life. How is our joy made complete? So that you may know that you have eternal life. Joy comes by true knowledge, by security. Joy comes by knowing that you're saved. Joy comes by knowing that you're secure. Confidence breeds joy. Shouldn't breed arrogance, but joy. Uncertainty breeds doubt and despair. In fact, After the the service, I spoke to one of our visitors, and uh, one of the things he said to me was how comforting the message was. It's a message of comfort. Message of comfort. You go through Pilgrim's Progress, and you see all that Christian and Hopeful went through as they were in, I think it's the Castle of Despair and, and the Giant of Doubt. who who beat them over with doubts. And you know, uh, he's in a dungeon, uh, Hopeful and Christian are in a dungeon and the the giant of doubt comes to him and he he says, look, you've got just a few days and and then kill yourself. Die because you'll never get out of this place of doubt. And Christian and Hopeful pray all night and then it dawns on, on Christian. He's got the solution to the problem in his pocket. He's got a key there that unlocks any door of doubt. And you know what that key is? The key is called promise. And the promise is based on the word of God. And he says, says, look, I've been so so foolish. I don't have to take these doubts. I can get out of here at any moment. I've got the right key. And the key is resting on the promises of God. So a great danger is spiritual depression. I, I do not understand how people can think they can lose their salvation yet have any joy in the Christian life if they are any kinds of sensitive Christians. Logic must tell them that they cannot be joyful they cannot have a confident joy like the Bible calls us to number three so third danger it leads to an attitude that the Lord's return or the rapture let's say isn't something we look forward to if you believe you can lose your salvation you cannot look forward to the rapture or the Lord's return but it's something you have to fear because how can you look forward to his return if you aren't sure he's returning for you How can you look forward to it? In fact, if I didn't think he was returning for me, I would dread it. Titus 2.13 calls it the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I could lose my salvation, it's no blessed hope. It's a dreadful event. Because he's not coming back for me. He's coming back to deal with me. And then I've got real problems. In fact, 1 John, I'd like you to see this. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 deals with this. John writes his book about certainty. And he says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And such we are. What what certainty do you see? We are the children of God. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, he says, now we are the children of God. Right now we're the children of God. Not maybe. Not I think so. Now we are the children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what well, we shall be. We don't know exactly what we'll be like. But right now we're the children of God. We know that when he shall appear, that is Christ, we should be like him. That's all we need to know. We're going to be like him because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just As he is pure. We are to be looking. We are to have a wonderful anticipation. It is a purifying hope. But if I can lose my salvation, I don't want to look for that. In fact, I don't want him to return. I want him to postpone it. That's certainly not the attitude of the New Testament saints. Number four, it leads, and this is one you see so often, it leads to self centeredness rather than Christ centeredness. Do you realize that we are to be caught up in the glory of God? We are to be obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to worship him. We are to, we are to be consumed with him and not ourselves. I think it was mentioned in the film last, last Wednesday uh, with Earl Radmacher, Gordon MacDonald, John MacArthur. One of them said... One of the real problems in, in evangelical circles is how much we think about ourselves. We write books about ourselves. We, we are caught up in, I think someone called it, quasi-Christian uh, counseling. And, and much of what, it, what happens is that we become uh, overly introspective. We become overly introspective, and we are only thinking about ourselves, and that's really a danger. That's really a danger. Now, what happens if you think you could lose your salvation then who are you going to be focusing on? Certainly not the Lord. You're going to be focusing on yourself, your sin. Comparing yourself with others, thinking about, did, did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? Did, what's the problem here? It, everything is centered on you, and that's the wrong perspective. You'll really be discouraged if you think about yourself a lot. You'll be discouraged about your sin. You'll be discouraged about your, your carelessness in Christian living. and You're not to live like that say, but wait a minute, doesn't the scripture tell us to examine ourselves? Yes, but not all the time. If there's a need for you to examine yourself, fine, but not all the time. If you do that all the time, then you're always thinking about yourself. Paul said that to the Corinthians who were caught up in sin. If you're, if you're deeply involved in sin, yes, then you ought to examine yourself, whether you are in the faith. But if you're walking with the Lord, no examination is needed. It's just spiritually paralyzing. self censorness is spiritually paralyzing and you don't need it and God doesn't want it and we're to think not about ourselves but about Christ.
0: Psalm 139 concludes with these words. Search me, O God, and know my heart; try me and know my thoughts; and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. As Pastor Steve mentioned, the Bible does tell us to examine ourselves, but we need to be careful that we don't focus on ourselves. The Bible says we are to focus on Jesus. It's one thing to be self-aware, but it's another thing altogether to be self-absorbed. Besides, who's better at discovering hidden sin in my life, me or my all-knowing creator? I'm pretty sure that he not only sees more of me than I can see, he will be far more honest with me than I am with him, or with myself for that matter. I'm glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981, and this series of Bible lessons on eternal security comes from one of his earliest message series. The tapes we digitized may be a little old and scratchy, but I believe the message is as clear and timeless now as it was in 1982. Our name, verse by verse, comes from Pastor Steve's expository, or verse by verse, teaching style. Normally, he proceeds one verse at a time through each book of the Bible. However, John chapter 10 deals a lot with eternal security, so we're spending some extra time on the subject. If you're in or near Clearwater, perhaps you'd like to visit Lakeside some Sunday. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. Lakeside's website has a wealth of information about the church and its various ministries. One of those ministries is Lakeside Christian School. Lakeside teaches kids K-12 through and is accredited by the Association of Christian Schools International and the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools. You can find links to the school's website at Lakeside Chapel's website, www.lakesidechapel.com. And if you want to find out more about Verse by Verse or listen to previous broadcasts, our web address is versebyverseradio.org. I'll give you those web addresses again, lakesidechapel.com and versebyverseradio.org. And here's a phone number you might want to jot down. We make available CDs of Pastor Steve's messages. These CDs are the entire message uninterrupted by any announcements. If you'd like to request a disc, call 727-239-0306. Ask for message 7268, Dangers in Not Believing, Part 1. If you're calling outside regular office hours, just leave your name and a daytime phone number so we can call you back. That's 727-239-0306. This is Jerry Peterson. I'd like to encourage you to be here for the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve today shared with us four dangers that result from thinking we can lose our salvation. One danger is that it tends to distort our understanding of the rest of the Bible. Another is that we might become spiritually depressed. A third danger is that we might start to anticipate the Lord's return with dread rather than joy. And then we heard how we can become self centered as we focus on looking for unconfessed sin in our lives rather than being obsessed with Jesus. One Sunday on the way home from church, a little girl asked, Mommy, do you believe Jesus is coming back? Yes, said the mother. Soon? Yes. In a few minutes? Possibly, replied the mom. Then the little girl said, Will you brush my hair? How do you anticipate Jesus' return? On the next verse by